Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. It's ready to go, go to get all your free MMA news, exclusives, podcasts, videos, photos, all that good stuff. And, of course, we also have our premium site, FightfulSelect.com. Give it a glance. Check it out. Holy Smokes MMA podcast, Fightful MMA podcast, every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, myself, MMA insider James Lynch, as well as MMA historian Showdown Joe, bringing you the best in MMA news every single week. Fewer people more plugged in than James Lynch. But tonight, I am joined by my buddy Steven Jensen. Steven, how's it going? Dude, it's going great. What a show. Like, this couldn't have been a better day for me to come on here. Like, you know how it goes. UFC cards can be pretty hit or miss, and this was a giant hit in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree, with the exception of maybe one fight, the Dodson Rivera fight. I, I could have went without that, but other than that, man, I thought this was a home run. But, uh, Stephen, before we get started, tell the people a little bit about yourself, where they can follow you on social media. Oh, thanks, man. So uh, I have a podcast. It's called Fight Talk. I've been doing it for a few years now. I mainly interview independent pro wrestlers, uh, mostly in the Southeast region, so uh, really kind of locked in uh, to that stuff. And I cover MMA as well over um, at MMAonpoint.com. The Twitter is at OnPointMMA. Just got done live tweeting the updates and results for uh, the show right before we got together. So that's the best place to find me, uh, MMAonpoint.com with their social media and news. And I'll, of course, plug their YouTube channel. They have fantastic videos. Uh, Tom Ransom and Jason Hartley run that stuff on YouTube, and, and their stuff's fantastic. So definitely check that out if you're a fight fan. So we got lots to talk about. First of all, what happened even before this show happened? Nico Montano didn't make it to fight night. It's something that Valentina Shevchenko speculated for weeks and weeks and weeks ahead of this fight. She was a monumental favorite. Valentina Shevchenko showed up and made weight, but Nico Montano was sent to the hospital and subsequently stripped of the UFC flyweight championship that she won on a reality show by beating the per- by beating a person who didn't make it to the finals to begin with. There was already plenty of shadiness going on here. But, uh, man, I-, I can see both sides of the coin. Is it ethical? Is it not? I want to know what you think, Stephen. 
I'm 100% fine with her being stripped of the title. Um, now, I will say, I know people are kind of jumping on the UFC. I mean, there's people on both sides of it, but there's people jumping on the UFC saying, like, well, look at, you know, what they do. They put people like, you know, they put Tyron Woodley up there against Darren Till just because they need to fill a pay-per-view spot. It should have been Colby Covington. You know, like, the UFC's pulling these these strings that the fans don't like. And I think a lot of people, you know, they kind of – I saw a lot of backlash on both sides. People that wanted her to be stripped and people thought that UFC was abusing their power. I even saw people talking about, like, Project Spearhead and how, like, you know, get involved in that and, like, you know, what happens. My, my opinion is this, like – I don't want to compare her directly to Jermaine Durandamy, but it's it's a very similar scenario where GDR won the title in controversial fashion because when she beat Holly Holm, you know, she was landing punches behind air after the bell, that kind of stuff. Like it was a weird title win to begin with. And then she just flat out refused to defend against Chris Cyborg. Whereas yeah. you have, you know, whereas you have Nico Montano, who I've been very vocal and I don't want to like I don't want to keep like padding on more and more to it but i didn't ever think that nico would defend her title like i saw such a giant gap between even the top 15 at either 135 or 150 or 115 you could have taken the top 15 from either division had them go to 125 and i think all of them smoke nico so oh yeah um you know so that's just kind of my opinion i think i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go as far as to say she meant to be hospitalized but i will say I didn't ever see her ever fighting Shevchenko, and if it were to happen, I saw Shevchenko just destroying her. There, there are there are several fighters in that top fifteen. I think, like from ten to fifteen, that I think beat Nico Montana. I, agree. I, I think agree. Calder would do. I think on a good or does. I think on a good night, Paige Van Zant could beat Nico Montano. I agree. Uh, the, Aaron, there, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there there are a lot of them, and. The difference in Darren Teal missing weight, getting a shot, Yoel Romero missing weight, getting a shot, they did make it to fight night. And I think that's ultimately what's important to UFC because they can't promote a show. Their main event doesn't make it to the fight. Nico Montana didn't make it to the fight. And after tonight especially, if I'm Joanna and Jacek, I'm saying, all right, I'll take that fight now because you got Tatiana Suarez and you have Jessica Andrade who said, hit the bricks, Joanna, go visit 125 and really solidified themselves and a lot of people doing the right things in that division. Uh, We'll talk more about that later. But Nico Montano stripped of the championship. Shevchenko was not amused, to say the least. Right. She she said she predicted as much, and she was just not happy. Yeah, and I mean, I can't blame her. I mean, she showed up ready to fight, ready to win a title, and she's just kind of getting strung along. You know, that fight was almost made like, five or six different times before they finally got like this whole thing set up. And I mean, if I was Shevchenko, I'd be pissed. I would totally get it. I did think it was funny that Kamara Usman, who showed up as a backup to weigh in for uh, the main event in case somebody missed weight, uh, she and Usman were in the crowd and faced off tonight, which I thought was, was great. A lot of fun there. I mean, Hey, Kamara got paid for making weight. Valentina got paid for making weight. So, and I'm sure that Valentina will will be booked pretty soon. I'm I'm sure they would love to get her booked for that Madison Square Garden show if they could. And there there is a certain Polish fighter who likes competing there. Absolutely, I love I love Joanna versus uh, versus uh, Shevchenko for the uh, the vacant title. I love that. And I even saw uh, Tyron Woodley congratulate Usman, saying, "Hey, congrats, yeah. bro! You made money to make weight." I mean, yeah. that's that's cool. You know, for somebody who 
I gotta give. I mean, we'll we'll get we'll get to Woodley. I, I won't I won't jump ahead. I would argue that if Cyborg and Nunez, as well as Shevchenko and Joanna, both happen later this year, that could arguably be two of the highest level women's MMA fights to ever happen. Period. And uh, that that would be pretty cool. But UFC two twenty eight. Let's run through the prelims quickly. Jared Brooks really needed this win. He came into the UFC as a as a pretty big prospect. Got kind of robbed in one fight, and then another one he robbed himself or played himself rather. He yeah. needed this win. Uh, they carried a pace like they were fighting four divisions up. This was not that great. Yeah, I mean, every time I think about Jared Brooks for all history, I'm going to think about him losing to a Canadian destroyer. I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. never, well, I mean, essentially, that's pretty much what happened. I mean, it was almost a flip pile driver. It was crazy. Do you know how happy it makes me when I see knobs on Twitter saying? That's not realistic. That's not a real move. You can't do a front flip pile driver. I remember when people told me the disaster kick was unrealistic from Cody Rhodes. And I'm like, you know that a guy in WEC like literally ran up the cage and did that. And Stefan Bonner had an aneurysm on commentary. Like that was a real deal. That thing that happens. Almost anything can happen. And that's what I love. Irene Aldana and Lucy Pudilova. Man, this was a war. This is one of my favorite fights of the year one of my favorite women's fights of all time commentary seemed a little biased towards aldana but this is a messy gritty brawl on the feet pitalova got busted open heavily refused to relent even if she moved forward even if she didn't have any output she was still moving forward steven dude that was a great performance by both fighters i actually tweeted out right after the fight that that might have been the best three-round women's fight i've ever seen like that was that was really great stuff from start to finish and you're right i mean she didn't back up no matter what what was going on like that was one of those where i think most people on twitter that i saw agreed with the decision but it was one of those that i i could have seen going either way and in both fighters just to our point if either of them fought a 125 you know good luck nico you know i had just They'd, they'd both destroy her too. You know, that's just, I'm going to, I'm going to stop attacking Nico, but like, I'm super <laughs> frustrated over that whole scenario. So I am too. This is one of the most exciting action packed women's 135 fights I've seen since that went to decision, especially maybe since like Duke Pennington on tough. That was, I mean, like it was just from wall to wall outstanding. It, it was a blast. Peter Lova, like I said, she kept moving forward, but Aldana finally turned, uh, Turned on the jabs, which she was not landing. It was all Lucy hitting jabs. Then then Aldana switched it up, mixed in some overhands and uppercuts. Uh, Peter Lova was taking two to give one, but she was still pressing hard. This this was just good, and this is the type of fight where I'm like, man, I, I hope that Lucy doesn't drop in the rankings because of it, because she didn't deserve to. But Aldana might move up past Lena Landsberg or Betch Kohea because, I mean, let, let's be honest, Betch Kohea isn't very good. <laughs> and I, I agree with you about the fight man and i also wanted to mention i mean that first round looked about as close to ea sports ufc3 as you can get like they're throwing yeah. head kick after head kick after head kick and just returning like it was a video game man like i was i didn't know a whole lot about uh either woman going into the fight and like halfway through the first round i was completely sold on both of them so up next we had jim miller choking out alex white and the thing that stood out to me is when Alex White was walking out to the cage. Daniel Cormier says, yeah, he told me he doesn't watch much MMA and that he wasn't that excited to fight Jim Miller. And uh, right here I was like, oh, Jim Miller's probably going to win this just based on veteran savvy alone because that's not a – 
that's not a, a good sign to me when any pro athlete, much less an MMA fighter, says, yeah, I don't really watch the sport. That's odd. I actually missed that. And that's that's actually crazy, dude. Like, especially Jim Miller. I mean, he just broke the record 30 UFC fights. Like, how do you not, you know, and he's a guy who's never had a boring fight either this entire time. I mean, how do you not know Jim Miller if you're in the sport of MMA? If you're even a casual fan, I feel like you know Jim Miller. Well, you can tell that he didn't know Jim Miller because what happened? Exactly what Jim Miller does. He choked somebody out. Yeah. I mean, that's if, if you're going to get submitted by Jim Miller, it's probably coming from a rear naked choke. He's got like, I think, seven or eight of them. And uh, this was no different. He came right at Alex White. Submitted. Good to see this happen. This was a favor fight for Jim Miller. They were doing him a favor. He's been battling Lyme disease. It's been hitting him real hard the last couple of years. He said this is the first time he's been able to train right in a long time. Any, most people, you lose three in a row, you're gone. If you lose four in a row, you're definitely gone. If they put you in there for a fifth time, they must really, really like you. Yeah, I agree. And and I can't I couldn't feel better for Jim Miller. I mean, as a guy who I've been watching the same as you, we're on the same. I'm 30. I think you're what a couple years older than I am. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is a guy we've been watching since like high school, college. I mean, it's like it's so great to see that. Even, you know, and we'll get to more veterans uh throughout, you know, while we talk about sure. this but it was it was really cool to see Jim Miller, especially knowing he's fighting adversity in his personal life with the Lyme disease and all that stuff. And and it is really cool to see, like, and exciting to see and hear him say that he he feels like he was able to train, like, for real for the first time in years because he's kind of got it under control, I guess, at least to the best of his ability. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future. I mean, who knows how much he's got left in the tank, but he looked great tonight. He did look great. And, I mean, what that whole family's been through, he and his brother Dan and all, all the issues that – Dan had as well. Uh, very, very good to see. And Jim Miller just earned himself, what, probably at least three more fights. I mean, that's what they'll do. I mean, they'll, they'll give him the Ellenberger treatment. And the thing is, when Jim Miller was losing, only one of those losses was a KO. That was to Dan Hooker, his most recent loss. And before that, he was going the distance with Dustin Poirier, Anthony Pettis, and Francisco Trinaldo. So it's not like he was getting starched. He was going the distance with some of the best in the division. So, one well, Dan uh, Hooker. I mean, Dan Hooker's a stud. I mean, there's yes, no losing to Dan Hooker. Up next, Diego Sanchez, big brothers, Craig White. You think that kiss on the nose was worth it, dude? I don't know who it was on Twitter. I don't know if it was you or somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but they were saying uh, you uh, you kissed Diego unwillingly before the fight. He makes you kiss his ass during the fight. And uh, oh, he teabagged the man, yeah, the straight teabagged. That was uh, if not, that was what I was kind of alluding to when we were talking about Jim Miller, other veterans who you got to feel great for. I mean, Diego Sanchez, like, still out there doing it. I mean, he's a guy I was, I was, that I remember vividly watching him on, on Tough when I was in high school. And I mean, for him to still be doing it and the stuff that he does with the Shermanator, you know, the um, yeah. Isaac, you know, it's it's really cool. I mean, how can you not pull for the guy, like, regardless of like. I've heard him say some weird stuff throughout the years, but you got to yeah. look at these things too. He started the Daniel Bryan yes chant and he's helping yeah. out Isaac. I mean, you know, you got to pull for the guy and he's been around for so long that it was really great. Just like Jim Miller, it was really great to see Diego Sanchez looking so good tonight. He is the last member of tough one to, to continue fighting. I think tough two. Melvin Gillard's still around technically. Bare knuckle he's, fighting. Yeah. 
he's losing, and Josh Berkman's still around, I think, technically. Other than that, I think everybody from Tough 2 is gone as well. Uh, Tough 3, Kendall Grove and Matt Hamill, maybe. Does Ed Herman still fight? Either way, it's a testament to Diego Sanchez's uh, just his attrition. He hit a nice high crotch takedown that probably should have seen him get choked out right before that. I thought that that guillotine was in. Yeah. He gets top control. The only thing White landed was up kicks. He may have set the record in this fight for most up kicks landed in a UFC fight. I wouldn't be surprised to, to learn that. Also, I bet you Mike Bond's got the stat on that already. He does. Yeah. But that's a good call, man. I mean, and that's something where it's honestly really surprising with all the, the cards. I don't remember – you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember one time in the, in the UFC event. I mean, I'm, I know it's happened outside, but I can't remember a fight ever actually ending to an upkick in the UFC. Um, and if it has, it's been very rare. And it's kind of surprising considering kind of the power you can generate from there in the right scenario. But you're right about that. I mean, he might have broken a record tonight. Uh, I know a couple have in tough, but that's I think that's really it. This is going to be on one of those MMA fighter gets karma gifts like forever. Yeah. yeah. The, the little yeah. kiss on the nose on the prelims on FX, Darren Stewart had an awesome come from behind victory over Charles bird. Charles bird. I thought was mixing it up pretty well, but Darren Stewart just landed this, this elbow over the top and just put an end to bird. Yeah, and when I watched it live initially, I thought it was a punch. I didn't even realize he got that elbow in from there. And, uh, man, that was impressive. Um, what else can you really say? About, I mean, the gigantic come from behind win. I had Bird in my predictions. I, I thought it was a lock. You know, not you know, not a lock-lock, but, I mean, I, I was felt pretty good about the pick. And, boy, was I proven wrong. That, that was very, very impressive. And I love seeing those knockout elbows from the feet, man. That's always fun to see. Darren Stewart was a guy who had – Four straight winless outings in the UFC to open his career. You almost never see somebody brought back after that, after two like that. And now he's got on to win back-to-back fights in the UFC. And to be honest, had he lost tonight, he may have ended up getting cut. But now he's coming off of uh, – he, he won this uh, – who knows if he'll get a bonus. Uh, follow at Fightful MMA. We will be doing live tweets of the post-show presser and providing you updates if we're still in the air. But – he had a big finish tonight. He had a performance of the night against Spicely, and even his loss to Marquez was a fight of the night. So I'm sure he's endeared himself to, himself to higher-ups, uh, as has Jeff Neal. I just got to say, this win over Frank Camacho, this was a match made in heaven for Neal because Camacho's kind of abandoned his grappling, which brought him to the dance. And it seems more like he's trying to get bonuses than he's trying to get wins, and it didn't work tonight. Yeah, and boy, did it not work. I mean, that was about as vicious as a head kick knockout as you'll ever see. I, I mean, that that's one of those where, like, Twitter just explodes the second that that happens. Um, and I saw you tweeting that as well about the matchup, the uh, kind of the mismatch there stylistically, and I think you nailed, uh, nailed it right on the head, man. Uh, just goes to show you once again, like, this – I don't say it now, but and we got plenty of card to cover. This was a show I wasn't like super hyped about, man. And Same. like, and I mean, by the time like this happened, I was like, this, I mean, this was enough to make it a good show. Once that happened, everything prior that was already a good show, and it just yeah. kept building, man. I had concerns that it would be able to to follow this up, and we've come off of a stretch of 
if not even great in-ring wrestling cards, big ones, like from WrestleMania, it was like almost, it seemed like every single week there was WrestleMania and then the Greatest Royal Rumble and then it was Money in the Bank and NXT. Then the next thing you know, it's uh, Impact has a great pay-per-view and then WWE has SummerSlam and TakeOver and then there's All In. And now it seems like, and this wasn't, didn't seem like a big UFC card to me, but we're starting a stretch of where we're going to see a few big UFC cards in 229 and 230. And we have Canelo versus Triple G. Amir Khan lost today. So it seems like combat sports is kind of getting a little bit of that back. And this was their first opportunity today. So Amir Khan loses. And then you have a great UFC show. So I think that was a great way to set the tone. And Jeff Neal head kicking Frank Camacho was a wonderful way. We do have the footage over at Fightful.com. Let's talk about the the goddamn Sulev stretch. One of my favorite submissions of all time. If you all are unfamiliar of what a Sulev stretch is, it is essentially a rear naked knee bar where you have your hooks in as if you're going to rear naked choke somebody. You reach down, you grab uh, basically the Achilles, maybe the heel, and you pull a knee bar. Kenny Robertson was able to pull one off a few years ago with a submission. There have been a few done that didn't result in submissions. But tonight we saw two. There had been one in the 25-year history of the UFC. And I text a couple of my friends in WWE and NXT, and I said, you better use that before somebody who doesn't know how to do it the right way does. They just got a a certain king of bros who might be able to use that. Who knows? Yeah, I may or may not have have reached out to him, but (laughs) I thought that statement controlling the clinch would be an important part of this fight because that, that was a strength of Sterling's. Instead, they just traded head kicks, and Sterling was able to switch up his striking quite a bit. Stamen was forced to fight defensively almost the whole time. Sterling handled Stamen on the ground and got a huge pop, Stephen, for a full Nelson. One of, the most, baby. one of the most violent full Nelsons I've ever seen in my entire life. Dude, I, I would love to see a UFC fight end via Master Lock. I would absolutely love it. Um, and I thought it was. I thought it was real close. That was. That was really close. And then the way that he transitioned into that knee bar was was beautiful because he it wasn't. But you know, probably within the next thirty seconds to a minute, right? That he he had gotten him in a position for that knee bar. And I wasn't even sure what was happening initially because the way that the camera was angled, you kind of you just saw him on the ground and you could tell something was going on. And then once they showed those angles where you could really see that knee, I mean, that's uh. You're right, though, man. Like seeing two of those in one night just just goes to show you once again that this card was just top top the bottom. You could talk about. I mean, it was I, it was a fantastic I, submission. I just want to correct myself. Amir Khan won and called out Pacquiao. My bad. Uh, this submission was just beautiful. Sterling needed a big win like this, like a trademark exclamation point win, because a couple of years ago, something I talk about a lot on the Fightful MMA podcast on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. But in 2014, Aljamain Sterling came in as the 24, 25-year-old prospect, undefeated, and had had a great streak on raw talent, then lost a couple of fights to Caraway and Sun Sal. And since then, since January of 2017, when he lost to Sun Sal, and both of those losses were splits, I've seen... Marked improvements in his game from a technical standpoint, from an experience standpoint, uh, outside of the, the knockout to Marlon Marias. That will happen when you face Marlon Marias. This version of Aljamain Sterling, I could see competing near the top of the division. 
The Aljamain Sterling that I saw in 2016 through early 2017, I didn't think so, but this one I do. Yeah, and it's cool to see him kind of get into this form because I remember when he came into the UFC, he was one of those guys that uh, journalists like Ariel Hawani were like really pumping up. Like he'd come on the MMA hour when you know before it was the Hawani show, of course, and he'd come on there and he would uh, he would he would basically talk to him like like he was talking to a superstar in Aljamain Sterling, and I got really pumped up for for him as well. And then those losses to Caraway and a Sun Sal, Caraway, I mean great fight I mean, good fighter but a sun south top level top of the division yeah. guys so once again no shame there but you're totally right i mean having a knockout loss against marlon marias i mean we saw what happened to jimmy rivera recently that that can happen to you um i'm with you 100 though man I, and any I, I think the ufc they need young up-and-coming prospect talents like Alderman and sterling to, to help carry them throughout the next few years because you know who knows what will happen with their top level guys, you know, namely Conor McGregor, like how long will guys like that be around? You got guys like John Jones who are kind of in and out. Daniel Cormier is on his way out. You need guys like this that are going to, they're going to be young and, and hungry and, and can generate buzz. And I think Alderman Sterling is a, a really great guy to do that. If he can keep winning. You mentioned the MMA hour. Does that still even exist? I know that. Is that Luke, a real question? I mean, Luke, oh, literally yeah. Luke took it over. Yeah, and I, there hasn't been a show the last two weeks. So. Oh, I didn't know that he's been dark the last two weeks. I did not know that. Uh, yeah. I uh, I covered that. I I actually live tweet during the Emma, or during the Hawani show as well. Um, so mm. I watch that every Monday and, and keep up with that show. And I had noticed Luke's numbers had had been way 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 smaller than when when Ariel was doing the show. So oh, of course, um, yeah, that was to be expected, of course, but. Um, I was not aware that he hasn't been doing the show the last couple of weeks. I don't know if yeah. maybe the other week it had to do with uh, the holiday being on a Monday. Um, Possibly. But uh, but that's a good question, though. Like, I, I, I don't know. I That's been a really interesting thing, man. Just watching, yeah. like, one guy leave a network and it all – I'm not saying there's, like, a, that MMA fighting is on, like, a downside because they do really great work. And they have, like, Mark Romundi yeah. and Sean Alshaw. I mean, they're they're great, but uh, – the Hawani show has been killing it on ESPN. I'll definitely say that. Yeah, Chael's, Chael's a good foil for Ariel and vice versa. I do enjoy them. Sure. I enjoy James Lynch and Showdown Joe on Tuesdays on the Fightful MMA podcast at 2 p.m. Eastern as well. Guys, make sure you all check that out. Let's talk about Tatiana Suarez. Man, this girl, she did all the right things. She came out. She mollywopped a UFC, former UFC champion, dominated her, dragged Carla Esparza into deep waters, held her under, and drowned her before mercifully the referee stopped it in the third round. And I had tweeted ahead of this fight, I said, Tatiana Suarez needs to call out Rose. Whether she gets the fight or not, she needs to call out Rose because look at the division. Rose doesn't have an opponent right as of right now. 125, they can't get the champion in the cage. 135 is fighting the champion of 145 because there are no 145s. The division doesn't exist. So if you are a female in the UFC, you need to win convincingly and just say something. Say, I would like a title shot, please. And Suarez said, you might as well put it in my mailbox, Rose. I love the line. I love the performance. I'm a big Tatiana Suarez uh, believer right now. 
Yeah, and I, and I agree with you 100% on everything you just said. Um, you know, with the commentary, I was agreeing with them as well, like listening to Rogan, Anik, and uh, DC talking about how she's basically like going out there and doing a Khabib Nurmagomedov style attack on people. And, and the way that she can grapple and, and control her opponents is just, it's amazing, man. Had it not been for, we're going to get to Andrade, but like, I when I was when that Suarez fight was done, I was convinced. I was like, this is the next challenger. Like I you want think. To- <laughs> Yeah. Um that that was super impressive. Um I did predict her to win the fight based on the little bit I knew about her. Um but then seeing her perform tonight was just very similar to Khabib and, and even fighters like Kevin Lee and stuff, people that are just so good at controlling you. Um She's going to be, I tweeted this as well, she's going to be a gigantic problem for anybody in any division she she fights in uh, with that grappling style, man. I love it. So she said backstage that she will compete for the 115-pound title, then probably move up to 125, but said that making weight is not an issue. Now, her record is very misleading. She is 7-0, but she won three fights on top. She does have two amateur wins, in which came within six months before her pro debut. So those seven wins, they're more like 12 wins overall. Unbeaten and on uh, tough, she beat J.J. Aldrich and Kate Jackson. That's a couple of really good wins. And I'm not talking like grinded them out over a two-round decision. She submitted both of those women. Kate Jackson, who will compete at the the higher levels in Bellator, and J.J. Aldrich, who uh, is still a prospect in the UFC. She's won three in a row. And Suarez beat both of them on her way to the UFC, where she's beaten... Cooper, Pereira, Grasso, and Esparza. I believe. I believe in her. And I thought for sure. I was like, you know what? She got- Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Got the title shot. Then Jessica Andrade pulled off one of the most brutal knockouts I've seen all year long. And she made it, she made it a discussion. And the thing is, Andrade had to one-up Suarez. And she did. Yeah. Especially for like that, that, that weight class. I mean, with it being 
you just, you just really don't see that one punch knockout power ever from, I mean, Andrade was super impressive. I, I predicted Kovacavich. I thought, I thought if it was stayed standing, I, I really like Kovacavich as, as a standup fighter. And I was totally wrong. I mean, it was a great scrap for, for the time that it lasted, but my goodness was Andrade impressive. And, and to go back to, uh, uh, Suarez, she, you need people like that. Like you yeah. need people like that in every division. You need that Khabib or that like DC style person who people just, you got to have that foil out there to, to make a different guys like Damian Maya. I mean, people that can do that kind of stuff. And, and, and what's really fun to me to watch as a fan is finding somebody who can, who can solve that puzzle. Like, cause, cause as much as I want to see Suarez go out there and, and do her thing and, and win and win and build a legacy. I'm just as excited to see who can figure out how to defend that. Isn't that the truth? I, I love the situation this division's in now. And you have Yoani and Jacek, who is kind of like, I don't know. Is she a Rose Nama Yunus truther? She's like, she didn't win that fight. She's not the real champion. Well, yeah, she is. So either you're getting in the back of the line or you're going to fight Suarez probably, or you go up to 125. She she has those options. Ready made fight with Suarez or go to 125. So you could you could do worse than being Yoani and Jacek. And Draj just pressed forward, slug Carolina straight out of the gate. Carolina recovered a little enough to hit a couple of jabs, but then Andraj followed with one of the most violent, nasty hooks I've ever seen. The the way in which Carolina's head snapped on that, it was it was Vanderlei-esque. I saw somebody call her uh, Wondraj or something. <laughs> Wondrade. And I was like, ah, well played. Well played. But if you're the UFC, which which way do you go? Do you go Andraj or do you go Suarez? You go Andraj. I feel like you have, I feel, I feel like she was put in the hot seat and she had her back against the wall and she knew she had to have that performance to get a title shot. And she went out there and did it. Um, I think that that should be rewarded. Now, that being said, would I be upset if Suarez got the title shot? Absolutely not. I, no way would I have any issue with that at all. But I just feel like I feel like there's a lot of fighters that go out there and they're put in a position like Andrade is, and they just they just don't do it. They just don't perform. Something happens. They they get cold feet. And she went out there and and overperformed. She went out there and I mean one punch knockout. And not, you know, not that it was the only punch thrown in the fight, but I mean, knocking her out with what she did, I, I got to go on draw. But once again, would I, would I argue either way? Of course not. Another thing I respect about Andrade, she was a pretty good force at 135. She, she beat Rosie Sexton, who was a, a pioneer of the sport, but not, not, didn't belong at 135. But she beat Pennington. She beat Morass. She, she won some good fights there and competed against Renault and Pennington again. Drop two weight classes before there was a flyweight because she probably would have fought a flyweight if there was one. But seven fights at straw weight and she's not missed weight one time. A former bantamweight not missed weight one time, including a championship fight. And that's not that's not a given. That's not something you can always count on these days. Sure, you almost go into a UFC show expecting somebody to get hospitalized at this point. At least I do. Me too. It's terrible. I I hate that it's like that. But until they change some significant things about the weigh-in process and how the weight classes are set up, which is obviously another discussion for another time because we could talk about that for hours probably. But I, I, it's really sad, but it's great to see fighters who can figure it out. I mean, as, as often as it happens, there's still 
a very the vast majority of the fighters have it under control and they and they can make weight and do it do it you know whatever the correct way is but um what 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 do you think do you think andrade or uh do you think suarez should get the next andrade, yeah i think i think she's the best way to go i think i, I think it makes more sense to go with her uh, it's weird to think that she's younger than suarez <laughs> that is that's weird. that's mind-boggling to me but I would probably have Suarez on standby just in case somebody does get hospitalized in that fight. And well, let's be honest, over the last several months, Rose hasn't seemed that dedicated to the MMA game. Well, and you know, it was interesting with like the Usman thing tonight, right? Like I, I'm not against things like, like if you're saying like Suarez being on standby, like if she was literally on standby, like she came in and she weighed in, I think that that could be a really good option for fighters to, you know, make some extra money and still have a chance to fight when big cards fall out. But I also think you're going to come, come across some issues like with Tyron Woodley saying he just flat out would not fight Usman on 24 hours notice. I think there's going to be fighters who stand up for themselves in that regards as well. But what do you like, what's your opinion on that? Like with Usman uh, doing the weigh in and getting paid and being a reserve, like, do you think we'll see that more often? Yeah, we should. We should. And my thing is, if you're a Tyron Woodley and you know that Usman is the backup, then you should prepare accordingly. It's it's the nature of the sport right now. It's not ideal, but I mean, my God, how many... Some, it's not, here's the thing. It's, it is asking a lot of the fighter because the UFC doesn't often make those sacrifices for their fighters. So why should the fighter sacrifice for the UFC? But how many UFC pay-per-views can get canceled or just shit all over before the brand is devalued to a, a point where it's maybe not recoverable? Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. It's tough. Oh, Jimmy Rivera beat John Dodson. Number five, Rivera over number seven, Dodson. Dodson did fire off the same head kick that knocked out Rivera pretty early, but... yes. Yes, he got blocked. Rivera looked to slip and counter and does it very well. Dodson's speed allowed him to land early, get ahead, and work a defensive fight while circling. But the thing is, he was losing the fight, and his corner said, go out there and have fun. You're winning. 2-0. That was dumb. Yeah. That was dumb. Dodson can blame himself and his corner for this. Yeah. And, I mean, you pretty much just mentioned everything that happened in the entire fight. You know, that was it, it? Yeah. I, and it's 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 a... I'm I'm disappointed because I'm really impressed by both guys. Like historically speaking, like I I'm a I'm honestly one of those people that really thinks that John Dodson can beat Demetrius Johnson on his best day. I mean, we saw we saw him fight him really close the first time, and the second one was a bit more one sided. But not to say that I'm saying like John Dodson's as good as Demetrius Johnson, but like he's, he has a win over T.J. Dillashaw. I mean, he he's a He's a very, very good fighter, and he has been for a long time. And Rivera has been impressive. Uh, his win over Uriah Faber was when I really started to take notice of him. And I was really looking forward to this fight. I was saying for the past few weeks, this was my quote-unquote people's main event, and I was so wrong about that. This wound up being the most boring fight on the card. That it did. It does not deserve our time. Attendance for the night, 14073 a $1.71 million gate. Fight of the night, Aldana Pudilova. Good call. Performances of the night, Andraj and uh, Tyron Woodley. But 
Also uh, in the running was Abdul Razak Al-Hassan defeating Nico Price. He Al-Hassan just went in there, chucked and ducked and, and dropped Nico Price. Nico Price, who's known to do that. Al-Hassan, it's so funny, he's one of the most cheery, happy dudes you can ever talk to. But he got violent. He admitted that Price, uh, he thought that Price would take him down, but really not a lot you can say. He went after Al- he went after Price through the fist connected, knocked him out. That's it. I mean, I think Nico Price is a, is a pretty darn good fighter, you know, and I, I think that he made a gigantic mistake by just feeding right into Al-Hassan's game plan. I mean, like, you know that that's what's coming. You... It's almost like one of those, I mean, I'm not a fighter, I'm just a fan, so I, I can't like pretend to be in these guys' minds, but you got to think, like, coming into it, doing your, your research and stuff, like, weather that storm, stay away from it, don't try to stand, and then see what happens. You know, maybe the guy gasses out, maybe his wrestling isn't very good. You know, there's all these options, but, like, to just stand there and just try to test your stand-up skill against the guy who's coming to take your head off. It was, I just think he game planned that in, in a terrible way. And that's nothing to take away from Al Hassan. That dude is a killer. I mean, I was yeah. super impressed with that knockout. For better or for worse, Nico Price has some very exciting fights. He had the KO of Randy Brown, submitted George Sullivan. Uh, <laughs> he got tapped by, by Vicente Luque. He had the great KO of Alan Jabon. He knocked out Morono before it was overturned because of weed and he submitted brandon thatch and before that outside of i think his last fight before he got to the ufc all of his fights were were finishes like first round or early second round so yeah, at least you know with nico price you're always getting an exciting fight but al hassan put him to bed yeah and i'll just say this because i have the platform with you like it's saying that somebody got a, a decision turned over because of weed that is the dumbest shit I, so I, cannot, I cannot believe that shit's still going on Did you see like, what matt riddle tweeted dana white today yes, and i loved it like it was fantastic right on the money i mean but good for i want to take a time this time just to say good for matt riddle he's another yeah. guy I've, I've met him in person as well one of the nicest guys you can ever meet and a guy who actually needs that as medicine. I mean, I know plenty of people that use, you know, THC, CBD, whatever you want to call it. And he's a guy who legitimately needs it. And he was on a four fight win streak and gets cut by the company. And not only that, the company shits all over him. Dana White shits all over him publicly, all over the place. The balls to go on the air with Chael Sonnen and complain about a guy failing drug tests and keeping his job. Yeah, and I had forgotten the line in which Dana White said, where's that dummy going to go and make six figures at? WWE. And the thing is, he was making six figures before WWE. You're, yeah, I bet. I, that's a good I, I, uh, good thing to point out because he was absolutely killing it outside the WWE. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone. Um, I was about to get big money offers from New Japan and Ring of Honor. They had a change of heart, and therefore WWE had a change of heart. So good for Matt Riddle. I'm glad he did that. I'm sure Dana White will be fuming and pissy, but that's what Dana White does. And he'll probably – either Dana White will completely ignore it or he'll say something really, really stupid and mean because there's no way he'll say, you know what, it was weed. It is too strict. Good for him. That's just not his style. But Zabit tapped out Brandon Davis – I don't know if you watched Embedded this week, but they went heavy on Brandon Davis. Like, really heavy. Like, they showed him playing 2K and playing basketball in the gym. But 
The thing I can really say about this before the, the submission was I'm really imbre- impressed with Zabit's ability to keep his hands together, his hands clasped while he's he's transitioning in and out of stuff. That is such an underrated quality. But then Zabit taps out Brandon Davis with a Sue left stretch too. The second of the night, I had somebody say, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to become the next rear naked choke. Well, let's hold up first off because no, it's not. It's very, very hard to do. Only three in 25 years, but two tonight. That was incredible. He's a monster. Zabit is is a fantastic fighter. He has so much upside. Um, I was interested to see um, – why am I losing his name? Brandon Davis. I saw Alan Belcher in his corner. I thought that was cool. He's a guy that I've always enjoyed watching as a fighter. One of my favorite UFC fights of all time was Alan Belcher and who's Paul, Paul Harris. They, uh, they basically put on a leg lock uh, versus leg lock fight. Yeah. Belcher defeated him in his own game, and I'll never forget that. Do you think that Belcher's tattoo and Darren Teal's tattoo had like a conversation? Yeah, I think Belcher's is the. I mean, they're both bad, but Belcher's is like the worst tattoo I've ever seen. Like so bad. I can't believe that's supposed to be Johnny Cash. I know that it looks like Fat Elvis. Like it's terrible. Um, looks like it looks like it looks like Fat Honky Tonk Man on his arm. You're right. You're right. So Zabit wins yet again. I think he's 16 and one now. Incredible, but he is now 4 0 in the UFC. He came off of three performance of the night bonuses, didn't win one tonight on one of the, the cards of the year, to be honest with you. But UFC has to like him an awful lot. An ACB product, but 27 years old. A lot to like about, about uh, Dagestani Abe Lincoln. In, in Dagestan, I mean, showing out big time between him and Khabib, and I can't even imagine what other killers I've got just like waiting in the wakes right now. Like I, I've got my eyes and kind of my ears set on Dagestan right now because I mean, you see, because you know, Khabib's not the only guy wrestling bears out there. I mean, there there's going to be a bunch. I feel like there's especially with them potentially going to Russia at some time soon. The UFC there is going to be a gigantic wave of Russian fighters, and I think Khabib's going to be one of those guys leading that charge. Speaking of, guys, we do have coverage of UFC in Moscow next weekend at FightfulMMA.com. Check it out. Click that exclusives tab. See all the uh, interviews that James Lynch does ahead of that show and many others. UFC welterweight championship. Tyron Woodley submitted Darren Teal. When I say that this was a dominant performance, I don't know that I can truly do it justice. Because Tyron Woodley uncorked one of the most dominant performances in UFC history, really one the, the second round. Nothing happened the first round. Darren Teal did literally nothing in the first round, really giving Woodley a taste of his own medicine of late. But Woodley did just above nothing and won the round. And then in the second round, Woodley threw this beautiful, beautiful shot that put Teal on his ass, followed up with nasty elbows from the top. And Teal, Teal was just there, waiting to get darsed, wait, waiting to walk right into the Bravo, and Woodley wins. So Woodley sustained no damage. Darren Teal lays one of the all-time big goose eggs in UFC championship history. I, You know, I'm not surprised that Teal was able to fend off the takedown, but man, I had questions about Tyron Woodley's shoulder going into this fight because you never know how that'll be at his age after a surgery like that, especially one he delayed for so long. Sure. But those questions have all been answered, Stephen. Yeah, I agree. A fantastic performance by Tyron Woodley. Um, you know, 
I agreed 100% with Darren Till getting this fight. Um, after Till defeated Wonderboy, although it was a very close fight that could have went either way, I honestly, um, well, I was saying even then, like, I think Till, even though Covington had, you know, in that time that, you know, became an interim champion, I did think that the best matchup for the title was Till and Woodley based on the size of the two guys, the style of the two guys. And so I had, I had nothing against this fight. But now as it's happened, in hindsight, I think that Till... Uh, the inexperience, I think, was a big issue for him. Um, and th- I'm not going to take anything away from Tyron Woodley. I mean, he he did exactly what he needed to do in great performance. And he's going to shut up a lot of the naysayers, the people that say he's a boring fighter who just tries to win decisions. Because obviously, you know, we, I, I was there in Atlanta at UFC 201 when he knocked out Robbie Lawler. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like – I can't believe when he knocked out Josh Koscheck when he hit him like three times on yeah. the way down. I'm like, this is insane. Like, I, I had finally watched the the taste of him getting knocked out by Nate Marquardt and strike four yeah. him out. You know, and it and now it's like he does that. And I'm like on the bandwagon. I'm like, dude, Tyron Woodley is a monster. And then he puts on just like neutralizing performances against Wonder Boy a couple times, Maya, and. I just thought it was going to be more of the same, dude. I thought Till was going to be hungrier. I thought his size was going to be a big problem, although I didn't realize that their reach adva- their uh, reach was identical. I didn't know that going into it. Um, that all being it's said. incredible, isn't it, to think it, about it, that? It doesn't make any sense, especially when you see them squaring off and Till just looks so much bigger. So I, uh, I think that Till, this was just kind of the wrong time for him. Um, and I think we're going to learn a lot about him in his next fight or two, like, is he going to go the route of like, you know, getting back into this or is he going to go the Francis Ngannou route and like just lay an egg in his next fight and have everyone turn on him? You know, I think, I think Francis Ngannou could very well lose three fights in a row when all is said and done after fighting Curtis blades. But you look at the trajectory of Woodley. He won that title in such amazing fashion in 2016. He followed that up immediately with a great fight against wonder boy, but it was a draw. So a lot of people are going to have a bad taste in their mouth because of that. They run it back, and it's horrible. It's just not good. Then, a few months later, he fights Damian Maya. So, at the very least, he's being active. But he's being actively inactive because he doesn't do anything in that fight. And then after that, he's mi- he missed 13 months. So, that doesn't necessarily bode well. I think that the fact that he delayed his surgery so long, I mean, he could have been back in the cage gosh, probably May. And the thing is, I remember in like January, February, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be back in April. And I said, no, you're not. There's no way you're going to be back in April. Yeah, well, May. No, no, you're not. You're not going to be back in May. You'll be back maybe by the summer, end of summer, if you're lucky. And that, that's when he's back. And it, I think finally, because if you have the draw, that's, that's a bummer. Good fight, but a draw. You have two terrible performances then you're out for a year after that that sticks with people man and i hope this went away in erasing that as of right now tyron woodley has the most consecutive or most successful title defenses of any current ufc champion yeah and he's a guy who's somewhat outspoken against the ufc and it's it's really interesting to see the dynamic because in a lot of his interviews and even right after he won tonight, he, you know, they asked, who do you want to fight next? And he's like, why should I even, like, who cares? They're, they're not going to do what I want. Um, I think tonight was a really, really big thing for 
Woodley's career because now he has, I don't know if leverage is the right word, but now he can go to Dana White in the UFC and go, you can't call me a boring fighter. You can't say I don't finish opponents. Like, look at what I just did to Darren Till. You're, look what I did to your boy. Like, every back in middleweight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and I would, and I almost expect Till to fight at middleweight next. I don't he think should. he would continue doing this this cut to welterweight. So, you know, I'm not the biggest Woodley fan like in the world. Like, I honestly thought Till was going to win this fight. I, I predicted Till, and I I really gained a new respect for Woodley tonight with the way that he conducted himself after the fight with the way that he won the fight. I mean, and, and he, I think, like I said, I think he's going to shut up a lot of people and it's going to be really interesting to hear his interviews with the media over the next few weeks. Cause I really want to hear what he has, what he really has to say. Cause, cause now he's in this position where like, not that he was walking on eggshells cause he definitely wasn't, but like being the champion going into a title fight, there's always that chance you're going to lose. And then what happens? The UFC is against you. You don't have the champion anymore. Like what's next? He just won in dominating fashion over a young up-and-coming prospect. Now I'm really interested to see what he really has to say and who he really does want to fight next. Of course, we will uh, talk more about what, what's to come for Woodley on the Fightful MMA podcast on Tuesday. We're going to preview UFC Moscow as well, but Fightful is talking to Colby Covington this week and Wonderboy, both who have thrown their hats in the ring to fight Woodley. I do not want to see Wonderboy fight uh, – <laughs> Woodley at all no way Colby Covington's the right way to go he is the interim champion he should still be the interim champion especially if if that fight is to be made I don't know where Stephen Thompson gets off even throwing his hat in the ring one win in his last four fights the last fight was a terrible fight he has no finishes in the last two and a half years I don't want to see him anywhere near that in my opinion, Covington versus Woodley is the fight to make. How do you feel? Um, I agree. I feel like that's the only fight to make uh, right now, especially with you know the bad blood between the two. Colby Covington, you know, he's been backstage at Raw. Like he's a wrestling fan. He's you know he's ready to. Now I will say he seems very manufactured. Like yeah. his, his lines are very. He sounds like Roman Reigns sounds when he's cutting a promo. Like somebody's. He- telling him like hey say this this will sound good you can tell he's thought him up in his mind before yes that's what i'm saying like he can't do anything off the cuff like when i've heard rumors that the that the the trump fandom is even an act i've heard some rumblings that the whole thing is a gimmick but you you would he sticks to it at the very least yeah i mean i i wouldn't be surprised at all um you know, I saw the picture of him and like Jinder Mahal backstage at Raw and stuff like that with yeah. the title. And and I mean, you want to talk about the worst champion I've ever seen in my life in any sport? You can talk about Jinder Mahal, but He's I, well received back there too. I know that Ronda apparently enjoyed their conversation. Yeah, and he apparently talked to Paul Heyman for quite a while backstage yeah. as well. Which uh, there's no one better that he could possibly talk to about professional wrestling than Paul Heyman. So I uh, I think that's definitely the fight to make. Uh, Wonder Boy, uh, going back to him for just a second, I've been saying it since the second uh, Woodley fight. The best thing he could do is sign with Bellator. I yeah. think that I think that that Wonder Boy needs to get out of his UFC contract. He needs to sign up for fat money over there. Go fight. Uh, go rematch Roy McDonald, something like that, and uh, get your sponsors back. And because he's he's going to be in that 
that dreaded Uriah Faber type slot. I mean, like you're you're not getting a title shot anytime soon. Because even if Till would have won, for instance, like I guess there was a chance he could have, but like you said, yeah. I mean, the, the record's bad and the their first fight was controversial. Maybe you can sell that. Um, maybe you can sell Covington versus uh, Wonderboy if Covington defeats Woodley. But as long as Woodley remains the champion, uh, Wonderboy is not getting another chance. So and oh, I, I don't think Wonderboy gets a chance unless he forces their hand and wins like four or five fights in a row and knocks off everybody based on the way that he fights, unless he puts together like two very violent finishes back to back. Like a Joseph Benavidez type scenario. Sure. You just keep keep winning and you, there's just nothing else you can do. I'm, I'm yeah. with 100%, man. Also, guys, tonight Kentucky finally ended their their twenty five game losing streak against Florida. I am happier than a pig in shit, but I'd also be happier than a pig in shit if you all went and followed at Fightful MMA. Jeremy Lambert is over there live tweeting the post fight presser as we speak. We're gonna have James Lynch at UFC two twenty nine for the Connor Habib fight. Of course, youtube.com slash Fightful, where you all can check out all our MMA videos, all our wrestling videos, and FightfulMMA.com. We also have a very in-depth boxing section. Carlos Toro quickly becoming one of the best boxing writers in the sport. Also, I mean, the boy's bilingual. He's talking to he's talking to everybody in both languages. Both languages, like there are only two. But uh, you don't have a lot of reporters that have that benefit, that, that are able to do that. But Carlos is... Check that out. We have a Triple G versus Canelo post-show podcast next week. Very excited for that. We're going to be running a contest on Fightful.com where that pretty much entered by just leaving a comment on any of the stories. You all can retroactively enter by commenting on any story over there, looking to grow the engagement on our comment boards. But Steven, again, let the people know where they can follow you. Sure. Uh, Twitter at fight talk underscore. That's F I G H T T A L K underscore. I have a Twitch channel as well. I just started dipping my toes into that, uh, playing a lot of UFC three WWE. Uh, I got the new Madden recently. Uh, you know, so Fortnite battle Pick up that fire pro man, dude, I have an Xbox, so I can't play it. I'm so, oh! so bummed about it. I was so looking forward to that game coming out. Then I found out it was PS four. I might get it on PC cause I heard it was on PC as it well. It is very good on PC as well. So I might have to pick it up on PC, um, but you guys can follow me on Twitch as well. Uh, subscribe to the channel. That's also at, you know, fight talk underscore the same thing. Um, and it's a lot of fun because I can interact with people in the chat while I'm playing the games. I'm on screen. You can see the game. It's, it's a lot. I got graphics and stuff and people do things. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I wanted to thank you for having me on the show, man. And I also want to thank you for everything you guys do over at Fightful because while I don't follow boxing religiously like I used to, um, I am – a massive lifelong hardcore fan of professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. And there aren't enough uh, outlets that cover both as well as you guys do. So um, thank you for everything you guys do. And thank you guys so much for just watching this. And thanks once again, SRS for having me on the show. (laughs) Thank you very much. Of course, I hope to have you on again, guys, if you all don't mind, leave us a thumbs up. Uh, As, as we mentioned, we do cover boxing as well. If you all don't check out that bi-weekly fightful boxing newsletter, Carlos puts together, it is a great primer, whether you are a balls-deep fan or you're just you're just kind of testing the temperature of the water. Carlos Toro gets you up to date. The boxing section has a newsletter tab. Click there. You'll see it. Guys, until next time, make sure you all subscribe. And most importantly, just let the people know that we exist. We're out.